You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital. With divided government, what are the political realities? The president has been increasingly frustrated. I want to try to cut through the noise. Politically, this is devastating. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. It is no secret that I care a lot about the consumers. There are real questions about big tech. We still have more leverage to use with the tariffs. I think we could do with a little less drama from the White House. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg Radio. Happy State of the Union Tuesday, folks. Just a couple of hours from now, President Trump heads up to Capitol Hill to take part in the time-honored tradition of delivering his State of the Union address. It comes following big developments on trade policy, on the government shutdown. The president not expected to declare a national state of emergency over to, uh, over the U.S.-Mexico border wall in order to get funding we have this covered from every angle with an all-star guest lineup. The Democratic National Committee Chairman Tom Perez, he'll call in. And then Sean Spicer, former White House Press Secretary, also joining us later this hour. And Julie Grace Brufke, Capitol Hill reporter at The Hill newspaper, with me for the hour to navigate the news, navigate the policy. In just a few short hours from now, President Trump will head to Capitol Hill. He will uh, go into the, the House chamber. Virtually everyone in government will be in that room, of course, but the lone designated survivor. Uh, he will stand in front of Vice President Mike Pence and Speaker Nancy Pelosi and deliver the State of the Union address. He is expected to cover everything from funding along the U.S.-Mexico border, the wall. Uh, it comes just a few short days ahead of really lawmakers having a chance to avert another partial government shutdown, not to mention uh, a very divided time in American politics. I've spoken with several senior administration officials who have told me that they are hoping this will be an uplifting, aspirational speech, but it really comes on the topics of incredibly divisive issues. Joining us on the line, the Democratic National Committee Chairman Tom Perez. Uh, Mr. Chairman, thank you for calling in and joining us. What will you be looking for tonight when the president delivers the State of the Union? I will be... I will be looking for any indication that he actually wants to unite our country as opposed to divide our country. Uh, I, I, I would love to be proven wrong, but regrettably, if history is a guide, uh, division and dissension and distraction have been his DNA throughout his campaign and throughout his governance. Democrats want to work together on infrastructure. We want to work together 
to make sure if you have uh, diabetes or another pre-existing condition, you keep your insurance. We want to work together to lower the cost of um, prescription drugs and address the profiteering that has occurred. Those are the things we want to do. And historically, those have been uh, issues where there has been some bipartisan space to work. And I'd love yeah. to do that. And uh, and we, we are going to continue to fight like heck. That's how we got elected. Yeah. Remember, those are the issues we're going to fight for. DNC Chairman Tom Perez joining us on the line, uh, the, the, the individual in charge of the Democratic Party, uh, of course, which just took over the majority in the House of Representatives. You were talking about areas of potential compromise, whether it's infrastructure, whether it's lowering the cost of prescription drugs. Uh, on foreign policy, uh, you know, we've seen Speaker Pelosi, as well as most Democrats, come out in favor of the interim Venezuela president, Juan Guaido, uh, and denounce the Maduro dictatorship. But I got to be honest, Mr. Chairman, I mean, you and I talk about this. We were talking about this earlier on Bloomberg Television. I mean, it it really when the president's going to talk about the wall, I'm not sure that's a unifying message or something that really anyone in the Democratic Party would would get on board with. Well, the problem with the wall is it's not uh, – it's a political trophy. He, he ran for office. He beta-tested this message about the wall. Uh, the masses on uh, his uh, far-right base loved it, and so it became his mantra. And by the way, you may recall he said that Mexico is going to pay for it. Yeah. It's a political trophy. It's not a security strategy. Uh, we Democrats take a backseat to no one in our commitment to secure borders. The way you do that is through investing in, in technology and in, in making sure we have a, the complement of judges to adjudicate the cases, um, investing in airport security, uh, make, you know, two-thirds or 60 percent, something like that, of the people who are here who are unauthorized came here through airports. They didn't come here along the border. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 you know, we, we see uh, one of the areas where we wanted to build the wall, there was a tunnel underneath. Right. <laughs> you know, and... And so those are the things we have to address. The problem here is he manufactured a crisis so that he could uh, deflect attention uh, from the fact that this is a political trophy. And so that is the problem. And he just needs to acknowledge that and, and move on. We, we, we're happy to work on those other security measures. And those are security measures that will actually make a difference. DNC Chairman Tom Perez with us on the line. Uh, Mr. Chairman, you're going to be joining House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. You're her, one of her official guests of this State of the Union. So how do you think Speaker Pelosi's doing? Oh, I'm so thrilled with her leadership. Yep. Uh, I, I uh, worked with her when I was the head of the Civil Rights Division and then Labor Secretary. Yep. I saw her North Star in action. Uh, she is a fighter, and her North Star are... You know, everyday Americans who want to get ahead. And uh, people, I know there were a few in the Democratic Party who didn't support her. And yeah. boy, I, I sure did. And uh, and over the first month of her tenure as uh, Speaker, I think the American people have seen why. Uh, she has a steely resolve. Uh, she has a uh, commitment to making sure we're fighting for all of the issues that uh, people and care it, about. Whether it it's sounds like... It sounds like, respectfully to my to my colleagues in the media, this this issue of division amongst the House Democratic ranks. I, I don't really see that. I mean, I know there is some substantial policy disagreements, but it, it it as of now, 
it sounds like all of the Democratic House members, whether they're more centrist or they're Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, are, are fully supporting how she's navigating this, this shutdown. I mean, that's and she got the gavel twice. I mean, it sounds like she's very much in the driver's seat in terms of, of the party in the House. Well, listen, I think she's going to go down as one of the most effective speakers of the House in uh, American history, at least modern American history. And I think there is a unity of purpose in the House of Representatives. And I also think there is an acute understanding that we must never conflate unity and unanimity. Uh, Wow. What do you mean by that? And and, uh, there, we are at 90% coverage on health care. We've got you know, roughly 9 in 10 people covered as a result of the Affordable Care Act passage and, and what Democrats did in the 60s with Medicare and Medicaid. And we need to get from 90% to 100. Democrats believe, all Democrats believe, that health care should be a right for all and not a privilege for a few. Yeah, we're having a conversation. It's a spirited conversation about how do we get from 90% coverage to 100%. Uh, But what we all agree on is that uh, our job is to get from 90 to 100. Right. The other side is fighting to take us from 90 backward. Uh, You know, you have a pre-existing condition under the president, under President Obama's leadership. People could uh, maintain their insurance under uh, President Trump's aspiration. uh, They don't. And so that's the point that I think is sometimes lost. Uh, we may have differences on the means to get there, but the, the values of the Democratic Party, the, the belief that opportunity should exist in every zip code, the belief that no matter where you were born, no matter who you worship, what your first language was, um, who you love, opportunity should be available to you. Right. The, the belief that education is the great equalizer, and we need to make sure we're investing in our young people so that they can be the leaders of tomorrow. The yeah. belief in clean air and clean water. Those are those are principles that unite the Democratic Party. DNC Chairman Tom Perez, I know you've got to get up to, to uh, Capitol Hill to go to, to go to the State of the Union with Speaker Pelosi, but I, I got to ask you this situation uh, with Governor Northam. Uh, what what do, what do you make of this? Well, we called on Saturday for yeah. uh, Governor Governor Northam to um, to step down, and and I didn't do it lightly. Um, but the reality is I think his past actions are antithetical to what the Democratic Party stands for. And I think he's lost the trust and confidence of voters. As Abraham Lincoln once said, uh, public sentiment is everything. And when you have it, nothing can fail. And without it, nothing can succeed. And that's the reality of the situation right now. And the thing about our party, which I think is very different from the other party, is that uh, the Democrats have never hesitated to hold people accountable who have mm. violated our values, whether they're Democrats or Republicans. Uh, the other side, uh, I mean, we could start with the president, and they don't uh, seem to care. They just want to w- weather the storm. Uh, we, Our values in the Democratic Party are not situational, and, you, uh, yeah. and that's why I'm proud. DNC Chairman Tom Perez, someone I've covered now for, like, several years. I covered you back in the Obama administration. I remember that speech you gave uh, – I think it was in Union Station on uh, on apprenticeships, and also an avid bike rider. So you'll have to we'll have to go on a bike ride, Mr. Chairman, and, and you can I catch would be me honored up. To. Uh, you know, on the uh, way to get to work. 
Yeah, it, it, you know, especially on a day like today. DNC Chairman Tom Perez, appreciate the call in. Uh, I'll see you up there on Capitol Hill uh, after the show wraps. Coming up, folks, we've got Sean Spicer, former White House press secretary. He's calling in. And remember, you can check out all of our interviews on the iHeartRadio app as well as on Apple iTunes. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Welcome back, folks. What a really beautiful day. I mean, talk about wacky weather. Beautiful day. I I did sneak in a run today in between TV hits, and I... uh, Got all of that energy out of my system. After this, I'm headed up to Capitol Hill. Bloomberg's special coverage starts at 8.30 tonight for the president's State of the Union address. We're just a few short hours away. We did get some headlines. Uh, Bloomberg News reporting that the president will not declare uh, the wall situation, an emerg- a, a national emergency down at the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, and so we're not going to get that national emergency. That's interesting because it comes in the middle of negotiations up on Capitol Hill between Republicans and Democrats. I was talking with Senator Richard Shelby, a Republican from Louisiana, er earlier today. I'm sorry, a Republican from Alabama earlier today. And he was telling me that he wants the president to help lawmakers to get to a deal to avert another partial government shutdown. Well, someone who knows all about the inner workings of the White House, who has advised the president on how to deliver a State of the Union address, is uh, someone who needs really no introduction. Sean Spicer joining us on the line, former White House press secretary. Uh, Sean, thank you very much for calling in. Long time, no talk. Yeah, good to hear from you, Kevin. How are you? Living the dream a day at a time. So listen, what are we going to hear from President Trump tonight? Well, I think you're going to hear kind of two things. One, uh, two big things, if you will. One is I think he's going to spend a, a, a decent amount of time really going back and talking about what the last two years have looked like, what where things were and where things are now, the accomplishments that his administration has made, uh, whether it's economically or in terms of the judiciary, so many other things. I know you spend a lot of time in Bloomberg always talking about you know economic news. And if yeah. you think about it, for people who tuned in and dialed in, you can kind of know where things have changed uh, and ticked up or ticked down. I think for the average American, though, you know, you, you see these things in piecemeal once in a while. This is what the economy did. This is what unemployment did. I think the president recognizes that the size and scope of, of, the, of a State of the Union gives you an opportunity to really put all those pieces together to connect the dots, if you will, and explain the totality of how things have changed. The second thing I think he's going to do is lay out a vision of American greatness and talk about where we can go from here. He's going to talk about health care. He's going to talk about infrastructure um, and modernizing the permitting process, really making sure that we're doing things that actually kickstart the economy and keep it moving ahead. You're going to talk about border security, the importance of it, why it's important for the future of our country, the humanitarian aspects of what the president did. You're going to hear more about uh, what we need to do to keep the economy moving. You know, I, I want to focus back on the first point that you mentioned, because Sean Spicer joining us on the line, former White House press secretary and, and currently now a senior advisor and spokesman for America First Action, which is an, uh, a group obviously supporting the reelection of, of President Donald Trump. Sean, I, on the issue of the economy, I mean, I'm really struck by this because 
When I talk to Democrats, when I interview Democratic staffers, Democratic members of Congress, there truthfully is a lot of a consensus on the issue of negotiating with China on intellectual property, on defending U.S. business interests from Chinese giant telecommunication firms and whatnot. And I'm actually struck by by really why the president has, I don't know, from the lack of a better phrase, not really doubled down on that. And and so, I, I mean, do you think tonight we could get him even more aggressively talking about China instead of the wall? Well, I, I think it's going to be part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that he, he's, um, but I, I think that, you know, the one thing about the wall that people have to understand is it truly is in some ways a proxy for so much of what he campaigned on. And, and he believes yeah. in it truthfully, you know, honestly, where to him, it's symbolic of why one of the things that he ran on. And so it's not, you know, I, I also don't think it's a binary choice. He's been very clear on China, that's very tough on China um, and, and in terms of market access, intellectual property, all of the things that you mentioned, tariffs and um, uh, ownership percentages and structures that, that our folks have to uh, deal with over there, but they don't have to deal with over here. I mean, he has been fairly aggressive when it comes to this kind of stuff. So uh, I, I don't think he views it as a binary choice. You have to do one or another. So, okay, take us behind the scenes, because we like to do this on the show as well. How does a president or how does President Trump get ready for a State of the Union address? What, what goes into crafting a major national address for President Donald Trump? Well, you know, I, I, I think even yesterday I was with the president uh, and the vice president and kind of talking about the speech. And the president left towards the end and said, all right, I'm going to go practice. Um, <laughs> he, you know, when I was there, he would, we would sit in the map room. He would go over the speech. I mean, he is he is literally tweaking that speech up until the moment he goes. And, really? and he was intimately involved in that speech more than I'd ever seen him involved in any other product or, you know, or speech or, or anything that he had given. Maybe save the convention speech, but I wasn't as intimately involved at that yeah. point. Wow. So I can't speak to it. But I would say that I spent, he spent more time really tweaking, really thinking, and it is – you know, it is one of those speeches that is 100% him. Um, every single word he weighs in on, and 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 so you know that's the uh, the, the that that's what he's doing. And then I think he finally, once he feels comfortable with it, he goes upstairs and, and gets ready. But he's that that is uh, he is prepping for that. Sean Spicer, former White House press secretary and senior advisor and spokesman for America First Action, with me on the line. I'm struck by this in terms of the preparation. And, and, and Sean, you know this. I mean, we're living in an incredibly politically divided, divisive time. And the wall has truly become so divided. I mean, and, and I don't really want to get into the, you know, th- this isn't the show where we're going to debate. But I, I, I'm, I'm curious for the tone tonight, something that I will truly be watching for is the tone that he strikes on the issue of the wall. Because in his pitch to, he, he has the base, but in his pitch to independents, in his pitch to Democrats, in, in his pitch to the members of Congress in that room who are going to literally be crafting this deal, crafting a piece of legislation that will end up on his desk, how will he describe and go into detail on the issue of the border security? Will, f- will folks who are not as obsessed with politics as our audience or you and I are, will they be surprised at how he talks about the wall? I, I can't say that I've seen that. Obviously, like I, I just said, he's yeah. working up until the end. But what I heard yesterday is going to be a, a president who talks about kind of three things in this, as far as I can tell. One, 
is the security piece, the need to, to protect our people and, 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 and be a nation of laws. Two is the humanitarian piece of this, the women and children that are trafficked across our border, the drugs that come across our border. Um, and so I, I, uh, I think that you're, you're going to see that. And then third is, to your point, I don't think he's – I think the way that he's going to come at this from a you know, political standpoint, if you will, small p – is I think he's going to basically say, look, Democrats, many of you in this audience tonight have voted for the following and kind of depoliticize it and say, this is what you've supported. This is like, I'll take basically what you've exactly voted for in the past. I'm for. And I think that that's where, um, again, because of the size and scope of the audience, it's an opportunity for him to, to explain to, to people who might not follow the, the back and forth on a day to day basis and make them understand that it's not like he's asking for something that's completely out of the mainstream. This is, in most cases, stuff that the, the Democrats have actually all voted for. Yeah, I, I got to say, I, I was actually just talking off air uh, before the show with uh, a colleague. I, th- I don't care who the president is. I don't care if it's a Republican, a Democrat. State of the Union night, is it's, it's always an amazing night. I mean, it, it, just to see all of the power in one room, and I'm headed up there after. We have special coverage starting at 8.30 on Bloomberg Television uh, and full policy analysis uh, in terms of how the market will be pricing this, in terms of how business leaders will be pricing this, and, and really making decisions off of the messaging coming from President Trump tonight. His, his opportunity to not just talk about the wall, not just talk about trade policy, but also to to offer glimpses of new things. I think you're going to hear about housing reform. I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. Uh, but I, before I let you go, Sean, Sean Spicer, my guest, uh, and I appreciate the, for you calling in. Uh, what is, what is your, I, I, I read your book. It was, if, if you agree with president Trump or disagree, read Sean Spicer's book. Cause it's really, really a, a fascinating read, but I want to get your, your take. What will you, Sean Spicer be watching and listening for tonight from president Trump? That's a great question, and thank you. I appreciate the kind plug. If people actually want to go forward, you can go to SeanSpicer.com and get the book and all sorts of fun. I'll thank Sean. <laughs> but oh, I appreciate God. the kind word. Um, <laughs> but, but here's what I'm going to be looking at. For the first time in, in his administration, which is you know now the third time he's gone up the hill to do this, he's going to have a Democratic speaker behind him. And, yeah. and, and, and he's used to having Paul Ryan clap you know, alongside Vice President Pence. And I think the State of the Union is, to your point, it's majestic. And there is this sense of imagery. And so what is Nancy Pelosi going to do? Obviously, Mike Pence will get up and clap dutifully uh, as the vice president. And, and so I, we all get that. The question is going to be, what does Nancy Pelosi do or not do? What does her facial expression look like? What does she clap for and not clap for? I think that's where... I'm going to be looking for that and what Democrats' responses, because it's not – I don't think they're going to march in unison. I think you're going to have de- Democrats on some issues that the president brings up agree with the president and maybe at the same time not seeing – you know, not having Nancy Pelosi, um, you know, you know, sort of be, be joining in some of that. So, the, you know, the question is, is there a split within some of the folks? Uh, what does she clap for? What does she not clap for? What is – you know – there's going to be so much I agree. made by that. I, I totally yeah. agree. And I said this yesterday because I, I, 
I think that's going to be really interesting. I mean, and she's – we just had Tom Perez on. She's got the House Democrats uh, unified. Uh, but I, I think tonight is going to be fascinating. I mean, I, I, as a political junkie, you know this, Sean. I'm addicted to well, politics. That's, and that's exactly <laughs> it. Like, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you were in the same boat on that, which is that I think part of this is, you know, is that um, – is uh, – is those reactions, those facial, because if you're a junkie, you understand it, right? So the, Paul Ryan was always going to stand and do this, and so you knew what the imagery was going to look for. But this time, the dynamic is different, and so many of those folks who are the rank and file that are sitting in the chamber are kind of looking up to get their cues. Do I stand? Do I sit? Do I clap? Do I not? Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, on both sides, like the Republicans are looking at Pence saying, okay, if you're clapping, <laughs> you're good. If you're not. And, and now you're going to see the Democrats, and I think it's going to be fabulous. Um, to see, you know, what what that response looks like. So okay, this is my really in- yeah. This is my actual final question, but I, I help us peel back the curtain a little bit. Do they, if no matter what party you're in, does leadership actually send out like a message, like take your cues when when this person claps, you clap. When this person sits, you sit. No, is that- no, no, no. And first of all, number one, number one, you know, this is a is a seasoned reporter. If that yeah. went out, you it would, would have be leaked, and I tweeted out. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Number <laughs> number one. Number two is the Republicans, especially on our side. I, I think we the Democrats do a much better job of kind of following the the cues of their leadership. If you think about the Freedom Caucus alone, I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they've been they sort of were an op, they weren't you know that one caucus. Uh, those one group of individuals are certainly not taking their cues from leadership. So <laughs> I, I think that you know there's there's sort of a an expectation or understanding, and if you, it's kind of like one of those. If you're ever in doubt, look up to know whether you should be yeah. or not. But, but I always find it fascinating those errant one-offs, right? Which is like, you know, the the the, the leader of the party is not necessarily clapping, but a group. So sometimes it's regional, right? So you might have something like on ethanol yeah. that all of the folks from the Midwest are clapping about because it's not partisan, but it's regional. Sometimes you have something that's that's you know just niche issue. Yeah. Uh, so it's always fascinating to me to see these things how they break Same. down. All right, Sean Spicer, been more than generous with his time tonight. Former White House press secretary and a senior advisor and spokesman for America First. Go to SeanSpicer.com. Check out his book. Again, if you like President Trump, if you don't like President Trump, it's a fascinating perspective and one that is worth a read. Thank you, Sean. Coming up next, we've got an all-star. Thank you, Sean. Uh, Coming up next, we have an all-star panel. uh, uh, And I'm Kevin Cerilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Welcome back. Just a couple of hours from now, President Trump will be delivering his State of the Union address. Earlier in the show, we had 
DNC Chairman Tom Perez and Sean Spicer, former White House Press Secretary. Uh, Julie Grace Brufke, Capitol Hill reporter at The Hill Newspaper, uh, where I used to work. Uh, join, joining us, listening to those interviews, Julie Grace, thank you, first of all, so much for being here. Oh, always excited to join another Philly native. Yes, <laughs> yes. And Senator Kramer, who, by the way, was on yesterday, knows Carson Wentz and they text on the reg. Um, envious, and I'm also just disappointed the Eagles weren't in the Super Bowl. Very disappointing. Back to politics. <laughs> also, a friendly reminder, you can check us out on iTunes uh, after the show uh, or on the iHeartRadio app. The State of the Union, Julie Grace, is what? State of the Union is uh, interesting for sure. I feel like <laughs> it, uh, I, I would say divided in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, I think this, the theme of the speech is supposed to be largely unity tonight, which will be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out given everything I'm an optimist. over the course of the past few weeks. But, I'm uh, an optimist, and I actually think this. I would say the State of the Union is incredibly plugged into what is happening in politics right now. I have never seen so many people on either side like – following every twist and turn of of politics i mean it's it, it's everywhere oh it's fascinating i mean yeah. i think a lot of it, it kind of is it's such a different administration just because of the entertainment aspect of it what did you people think? tune into it in a way that they didn't in past administrations yeah and it's it's i would say some days it's bad reality tv other days it's somewhat interesting reality tv i think that the, the back and forth with speaker pelosi and president trump tonight is going to be fascinating to oh, watch after she retracted the invitation oh the my, it's, i know it's, it's like, i mean it's watching her sit behind him i feel like the facial expressions are going it's, to be i know and <laughs> i mean it's it's gonna be and uh, i i actually can't wait i'm such a political dork when it comes to this stuff i i, I truly I cannot wait to it, get up so. there you're going up there too <laughs> what did you think of what tom perez said the former dnc chairman and what did you think of what sean had to say I, mean, I think they're both absolutely fascinating interviews i mean i well thanks Julie. Yeah. <laughs> good job um <laughs> I mean, obviously, I think, I think the Democrat rebuttal afterwards is going to be Stacey Abrams. Yeah, I think that'll be a fascinating. Uh, what is what does she have to do tonight? I mean, tonight, I mean, obviously, she's going. I feel I feel like I mean, I think Democrats are immediately going to try and draw contrast, and I think they're going to go after Trump for the border and wall. Senator Bernie Sanders is giving an address is. as well, it's, which uh, will also be interesting. I um, I'm not sure how the DNC feels about the uh, yeah. Bernie Sanders. And Kamala Harris is Senator Kamala Harris is giving an address before. I mean, it's kind of interesting how everyone is trying to give an address. It feels like half the Senate's running for president. So I feel like. uh, Right. (laughs) But what do you make in terms of Speaker Pelosi? What job does she have to do tonight? I mean, obviously, I mean, with her conference, I feel like Democrats are going to show a unified front. We've. uh, we saw today all the Democratic women all yeah. dressed in white together. So I think they're definitely going to be pushing back strong against a lot of what the uh, president has to say. But, I mean, it was interesting to hear um, Tom Perez talk about how he would like to work across the aisle on issues like infrastructure. I'm wondering how, how with the investigations work? and with all the tensions between Democratic leadership and the president – whether that's possible. Yeah. Well, Julie Grace Brufke uh, here with us after the break, uh, as well as Jeffrey Wright, who is an analyst at the Eurasia Group. He's going to join us and talk about U.S.-China trade policy and what we might get out of the president's uh, speech. Uh, Stick with me. Uh, State of the Union is, well, from a weather standpoint, a beautiful day here in Washington, D.C. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Uh, You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli. On Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Welcome back, folks. Just a couple of hours away from now, President Trump will head up to Capitol Hill. He'll walk into the the, the House chamber and walk up the aisle and 
then take his place behind the podium. He'll be on teleprompter tonight. Sean Spicer told us earlier in the show, practicing his speech up until the very last minute, going over everything. And Tom Perez, DNC chairman, says they're open to working with President Trump. We had him on earlier. They're open to working with President Trump on a host of different issues. But, uh, well, he's not too hopeful. And Speaker Pelosi is going to be seated directly behind President Trump. How will Democrats react? What will they say? What will their expressions be as President Trump lays forth his vision for the next calendar year at a time? And, well, I don't have to say this to you guys. I mean, it's incredibly divided in our country right now. And we're just a few short days away from another partial government shutdown. And uh, it's not just about the wall. It's also about policy. It's about foreign policy. It's about the economy. It's about trade as well. And that's why I'm so thrilled to have Jeff Wright, an analyst who focuses on U.S.-China trade relations for the Eurasia Group, with me in studio, a friend of the program, a friend of Bloomberg, and, of course, Julie Grace Brufke, Capitol Hill reporter at the Hill newspaper where I, I used to work. Can I say that both of you are from are Philly area people, which That's right. that is my it's a bias. Solid lineup. It really and <laughs> Eagles fans, devout right. Eagles beautiful. fans. We were talking about the Sixers and uh, Vince Carter and the Raptors back in the playoffs. Jeff, talk to me about what you're going to be looking, <laughs> not about Allen Iverson, but about uh, what you're going to be looking for tonight when the president talks about trade policy with U.S. and China. So he, when they were meeting with Liao He last week, the Chinese line from Trump, premier. yes, yeah. exactly. The line from Trump was that any agreement, which it, it seems like they're getting close to, would have to be blessed by him and she personally, which adds kind of another step to the whole process. There's a lot of speculation that when he goes to somewhere in Asia, which I, I've heard might be Vietnam, but, but yeah. somewhere to meet with For Kim North Jong, Korea. yes, exactly, at the end of the month, that, that they could tack a Xi meeting onto the end of that. I don't think we will get details about that tonight, but uh, it'll be interesting to hear the way that he talks about China and, and sort of the, the attitude of those comments. See, you and I, Jeff, we follow like every, you better than me, every twist and turn of the U.S.-China trade relations. And I, I always say two things that I think folks forget. First and foremost is that President Xi Jinping of China does not have a totally unified government. There are different viewpoints within President Xi's government about how to handle the U.S. in terms of the ongoing trade. How how does the U.S. administration head into these trade talks understanding that dynamic? Uh I don't know how well it's understood within the White House. I, I, I doubt that Trump understands it particularly well. But it, what does seem clear is that the Chinese really want a deal now in a way that uh, I think is, is even more intense than it was last year. Why? So what changed? The Chinese economy is slowing. Um, the concerns about you know the impact of the trade dispute, particularly in export-dependent provinces of China in the south and east, is really growing. And so there's a lot of pressure on Xi to get a deal. I, I think – the place where you might – you'll never see these divisions publicly, but the place where you would speculate on them is you know, distrust among the, the other officials of the, of the Chinese Communist Party with the way that she has handled this dispute. Julie Gates Brufke, congressional reporter for The Hill Newspaper. I, I, I was saying this to, to Tom Perez and also to mm-hmm. Sean. I mean there really is a unified faction of lawmakers up on Capitol Hill, especially when it comes to intellectual property, especially when it comes to China – uh, really taking advantage of, of some global regulations to, to get the upper hand against, against U.S. businesses. So this might be an area where Democrats and Republicans can work together. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think so. I mean, I feel like if there's one thing, I mean, both Republicans and Democrats I talked to in Congress both disagree with the White House on, it was talk of pulling out of NAFTA. So I feel like maybe, at least on the congressional front, they'll be able to unite on the trade front. Yeah. And especially on NAFTA and NAFTA 2.0, I mean, that's going to be an interesting choice for how Democrats decide ultimately whether or not they're going to say, hey, this is not progressive enough, or if they're going to say this is the best that we could get for right now. That said, if you are looking in the long term, uh, there are a lot of populist candidates running in the Democratic Party, maybe even someone like a Senator Sherrod Brown. And I, I truly believe uh, trade is going to be a massive issue, as it was in the last primary on the left with Sanders and Clinton. I, I believe that that'll be another um, issue as well. But, but Jeff, stick with me on trade. because This is the second question that I have in terms of I, I truly don't think communicators in Washington have done an effective job on either side of saying why folks outside of the Beltway should care about every twist and turn of the U.S.-China trade deal. How does it directly impact the American consumer listening in their car right now on their way home from work? I, people are paying slightly higher prices because of tariffs. Um, that's a very difficult thing for most people to notice. I think the the concern is is less of an immediate one and more of a long-term one. How so? So, so that if the Trump administration can get a deal with China that, that changes the way that the Chinese treat American intellectual property, for example mm-hmm. – then you know you have longer, long-run uh, improvements and returns for American companies operating. So I wouldn't translate that. Talk in, in plain speak here. Get even more rudimentary. When people hear intellectual property, define it. What is it? What is it in their phone? What is it in their computer software? Define it for how the average person listening can visualize it. I think there's there's two things at issue with China. The first is is uh, what are called uh, technology transfer agreements. So f- for many companies, if you want to operate a joint venture in China, you have to transfer the underlying technology to your partner. And what American companies and, and other multinational companies report happens is that that technology may stay secret for a year or two, but at the end of that time, uh, another company, perhaps connected to the joint venture partner, pops up that's making your product essentially the same at a much lower it's like, price. It's like Apple. I mean, you go to China and there's literally like a knockoff Apple store and they're, they're getting, all the, uh, getting all the money. Jeff Wright uh, is an analyst uh, for the Eurasia Group. He studies all things, follows all things U.S. and China trade related. Uh, Julie Grace Brufke, Capitol Hill reporter for The Hill newspaper. We've got less than a minute. So very quickly, in one – yes or no, President Trump comes out a winner tonight, Julie Grace, after the State of the Union address. Quick. Maybe. Maybe. All right. And you, <laughs> Jeff? Uh, no. All right. And I am an unbiased, impartial reporter and will dodge my own question. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guests. Make sure to watch and stick with Bloomberg all night tonight. And check us out on the uh, iHeartRadio app and, of course, on Apple iTunes. Tomorrow, we've got full analysis. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.